Happy Sunday, KVBL. I am Troy Kennedy, and this is Around the KVBL. We are back from a fun-filled event, the All-Star Game in Atlanta. We're back in studio recording, and we have lots to talk about from this past weekend, the All-Star Game, and the sim that followed it. Um, we are now five sims into the book, into the season. We're starting to see a little more of a clear picture of where the teams are going to end up. We're starting to see some you know, playoff matchups formed. Um, the All-Star game was was really, really exciting. Uh, the Maynard came out victorious in a high-scoring event. We're all going to break all of that down for you here on the show today. We're going to get into the details of what happened this weekend. However, first, let's go take a quick look around the league and what transactions we have seen over the last couple of days. Um, on the last show, we talked about the rumors about Eric Whitaker getting moved from Houston to Seattle, uh, we have gotten that confirmed. And the exact details of the trade were that the Rockets obviously sent Eric Whitaker to Seattle. And in return, they got Woodall, they got Jalen Willis, and they got Rich Linklot. Uh, looks like three you know, minor contracts in exchange for Whitaker. Um, the Portland Trailblazers basically just you know, send Beavis and Franks to Charlotte with marching orders. They didn't even ask for anything in return. I think it was just simple salary dump. It looked like Charlotte was using those contracts to then facilitate another trade um, as the Hornets made one of the more controversial trades that we've had in recent time. As the Hornets acquired Wayne Boudreaux for the Nets in return for Doc Sportello, Beavis, and Franks. Um not just eye-opening, but head-scratching move on the on the Nets organization part. Uh, Boudreaux being one of the main contributors and one of the better players on the books, and they certainly could have gotten more value out of that trade. Um, so surprising that they only asked for you know two minimums and a three-year contract in Sportello, who doesn't really add much value or help to that team. Um, wondering if this was more of a panic move, trying to get rid of the salary, but the man is expiring. Let him go to restrict. I mean, unrestricted free agency, and at worst, you get this the salary cap. Um, so this one is really, really a head scratcher and very controversial, and has been heavily discussed around the league. Uh, we'll get more reactions out of that later on the show. Um, the Indiana Pacers, after having put a couple of the players on the trade block for a while now, finally pulled the trigger on a trade as they sent Noel Brandt and Ronnie Sterling to the Oklahoma City Thunder. In return, they got Jalen Davis, Jintas, Danny Savicius, uh, James Hardigan, and John Zudzikas. Uh, on top of that, also the Thunder 52 first-round pick. So, decent value for Indy, who's, you know, who's been wanting to move Brandt, you know, getting a fun, exciting prospect and. And Jintas Danny Savicius, um, who is a very polarizing player, um, but certainly in the right setup can be can be a valuable asset. He is about to be restricted free agent, so I think this is a like a little bit of a of a gamble on the Pacers' part, seeing how he will do this off season and if they can resign him if he stays in Indiana. However, good move for them and for the Thunder, adding you know Brand for their to the front court, give them stability there. The Thunder are still fighting. They're still trying to get in. Um, they are sitting a couple of games behind now. They're still out by uh, doing trying to do the math here by nine games. So they're they're way behind, but they are not giving up. They're they still think they have a shot of sneaking in 
and adding pieces to this team, um, trying to make a stretch run. Also, the uh, Los Angeles Clippers sent Brandon Gilbert, one of the youngsters, to the Las Vegas Wolves, the Timberwolves, who are sending the Bulls 2051st uh, first-round pick in exchange for Gilbert. Uh, same thing on the Clippers side, you know, sending a piece that they probably didn't see being part of the future for a pick that they might hope is going to get value if the Bulls are breaking it up or if the Bulls are having trouble resigning their guys. Um, you know, it's valuable, uh, could be a valuable pick and, a, you know, a decent gamble on the Clippers organization side. Um, also, the Pacers made another move uh, as they added Nicholas Legros from the Kings, sending Hank Yorts and Mayor Rahamin to the Kings, you know, two small contracts to get another upcoming RFA and Nicholas Legros. Um, so the, the Pacers are now adding a bunch of these players from the 2046 draft, having Jekos, now having Danny Savicius and, and Legros all on the, on the same roster. So we've had another sim. You know, we are five sims down we only down to two more to about 20 plus games for each team before we get into playoff picture um we also as we said had the all-star game so let's talk about the all-star game first and what we saw there you know three-point contest we had the slam dunk um competition with a rookie winning it so that was very exciting we had the rookie sophomore game and of course we had the landros versus maynard so let's start with the three-point contest. The participants that decided to join this year were Marcin Volsaki from the Nuggets. You had Cameron Towles from the Lions, Eric Whittaker now from the Sonics, and Newt Jackson from the Lakers were in it. On the other side, we also had Rafael Huertas from the Raptors. We had Darnell Cage from the Suns, Marcio Tanner from the 76ers, and Elijah Brand from the Celtics. After the preliminary round, um, and the semifinals, it was Huertas and Tanner who made it to the finals where T Tanner eventually prevailed and is a three-point contest champion. Um, I was hoping to say, see Merlin Roar in it. Um, we were wrong. So that would be another one for what Troy was wrong segment as, you know, Roar decided to focus on other stuff. Didn't even enter the contest. As for the slam dunk competition our contestants were Corey conway from the thunder you had don reese from the clippers woody lander from from the bucks bobby hoskins from the knicks um and jacob adam Cassati from the suns you had alexander garner simard from the knicks and you had larry jones jr from the sonics oh not to mention also jibril kaba from the bulls uh the three finals for this one were Reeves, Conway, and Lay Jones Jr. And Conway, the exciting rookie, actually ended up taking home the crown. So he is now the only player in KVBL history who has won the McDonald's All-American Slam Dunk Competition in high school. He has also won the college Slam Dunk Competition and now following up with winning the KVBL. So he is 3 for 3 and the only one who has done it. As a rookie, will we see him just taking dominance in this competition and, and keep it going? I guess we'll find out. Let's move on to the uh, rookie versus sophomore game. 
Um, the starting lineups for the rookies, you had Jameson Burns from the Rockets. You had Elijah Brand from the Celtics. Logan Ochoa from the Timberwolves. Tyron Haynes from the Bucks, our number one pick. And Muhammad Obeid from the Lakers. On the other side are sophomores coming back for the second year. Alfonso Julianos from the Cavaliers. Uh, Gulame Jalibert from the Lakers. You had Edlins Tracy from the Grizzlies. Liam Praxis from the Rockets. And finally, Wadey Kazri from the Thunder. Um, this game was really close all the way. And it came down to buzzer beater with the sophomores taking the scalp 95-94 over the rookies. So with that said, what happened in the All-Star game? Let's go through the starting lineups. For the Landros, you had LaShawn Barkley from the Lions. You had Jones from the Bulls, Craig Jones, the shooting guard. KB Bryant from the Hornets. You had Christian Jimenez from the Lions and Zion Johnson from the Bulls. So as for the voting, kind of went down as expected. Wasn't anything surprising. On the other side, Merlin Rohr gets the starting nod from the New Orleans Jazz. You had Donald Cage, very expectantly, from the Phoenix Suns. Delaney Watson from the Miami Heat. You had Jericho Clips from the Atlanta Hawks getting the start at home. And then you had Richie Weebs from the Warriors, which left Camp Patrick Cameron from the Knicks just out. Um, that's the one we talked about last show. You know, Eclipse may be getting a nod because if he is the hometown favorite. You know, the hometown voters were going to make sure that he got in there. And he just notched out Patrick Cameron. The Maynard dominated this one, taking an early lead and just never looking back. Winning it 142 to 122. High scoring affair, but the Maynard were just too much offense for the Landers to handle that. Uh, Darnell Cage with the MVP Scoring 33 points, adding seven boards, and having one assist. That is the second time in a row he is the um, All-Star Game MVP. And it feels like he must be listening to the show because ever since we made the comments how it's not the same cage season, he has been putting up big numbers. All right. That was a fun event. Um, but let's see what happened after as the teams went back for Sim 5. If we look at the standings, the Bulls are just keep rocking on. They are number one in the Landros, 51 and 6. Um, you know, just keep keep plugging on. As I said, they were 8 and 5, and since then have won, lost one game after Sim 1. So they are just building a lead now, four and a half point lead over the Lions, who are sitting at 47 11. The Lions uh, on their end have a three and a half game lead over the Charlotte Hornets, who are 43 and 14. The Hornets also have built a comfortable lead, four and a half games over the 76ers. We knew that was going to be a battle, but the Hornets have quite the advantage at this point. The 76ers sitting at 39 and 19. Um, seven and a half games separate the fourth and fifth seeds, so we th pretty much think that the top four seeds are. Locked in. The Raptors coming in, sitting in fifth, 33 and 28. The Celtics are behind them, two games behind, 30 and 29. So they certainly still have the capability to catch the Raptors. The Nuggets are sitting in seventh, um, four and a half games behind the Celtics. And the Pacers are in eighth at 23 35, two games behind the Nuggets. The Pacers have certainly improved their play. Um, solid eight and five sim, and very exciting, putting a lot of points on the board. 
with the new additions of Jan Davis and Juntas Tennessevicius, um, the add in Jekos who's already there. These guys can score and they're doing it for fun. Um, if you look outside the playoff picture, we are seeing a solid eight game lead between the eighth place Pacers and the ninth place Rockets. Um, I don't think we'll see any movement right there. Looks like the playoff picture in the Landers is pretty much set, at least with the eight that are going to be in it. So the Rockets, Lakers, Cavs, Bucks, and Grizzlies are our five lotter teams and hoping to position themselves to get the top pick in the upcoming draft. If we go over to the Maynard, we have seen a shift at the top as the Hawks have now taking the lead they're sitting at 46 and 8 or and just keep going with their stellar play um they are one game ahead of the new orleans jazz who are sitting at 44 and 8 um so i've played two games less so hence the one game deficit that's going to be a fun battle down the stretch who will take the top top seed and home court advantage throughout the playoffs in the maynard and um, in third are the Suns with a 44 and 14 record. There are three games behind the Jazz, so certainly not out of it, but have some ground to make up. In fourth and three and a half games behind the Suns are the Golden State Warriors, who have leaped past the Miami Heat, who are sitting in fifth. The Heat are game and a half behind the Warriors, so that will also be an exciting battle to see. Um, as those two teams very likely will face each other in the first round of playoffs, but who will get home court advantage the knicks are sitting in six and four games behind the heat um you know unlikely that they're going to be able to catch them whatever however the knicks are very interested in keeping the sixth spot um and holding off the sonics who are charging as of late the sonics are 34 and 24 and one game behind the knicks only half a game behind the sonics are the blazers at 33 and 24 so six, seven, eight is very much still wide open, um, and that's going to be fun. Last two sims to see where these teams place. The Clippers are still very much interested in making the move in, but they're five, actually six games behind, and the Thunder are nine games behind. So it might be too little, too late um, with these teams. But it's going to be fun to see last couple sims. Um, you know, there's still some seeding to be played out for. As I said, the Landers looks a little more set than potentially the Maynard. You have battles for one and two in the Maynard. You have three Sooks. Looks like the Suns are going to be pretty comfortable closing in the three, third spot unless they completely fall apart at the end. Warriors and Heat will fight for four and five. And then it's open six, seven, eight between the Knicks, Sonics, and Blazers. So cannot wait to see what happens down the stretch. Um, we are going to take a short break on the show. And after that, we have a special appearance. We have a guest appearance with the man who needed six finals to finally get his first ring. Uh, cannot wait to hear his reaction to that. We have the GM of the Miami Heat, Smath, coming onto the show after the break. Hope you guys are staying for this. It's going to be an exciting segment. You guys have a good one. See you shortly. Back to Around the KPL, and I am now joined by the GM of the Miami Heat and the 2047 KBL champion, Smath. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? 
I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are things with you? I'm great. Excited to talk about the KVBL. Uh, we're, we're happy to have you on. So first off, um, it's been a while since oh, you and I have actually not talked on a show yet, but it's been a couple of seasons removed now, but you are the 2047 KVBL champions with the Miami Heat. It was a large mountain to climb as you guys made six finals. And in the sixth attempt, you guys got it done. Tell me what went through your mind. Talk to me about the emotions that you had when you guys finally got to lift the trophy. Well, honestly, when it first happened, I couldn't believe it's true. Uh, thought I was dreaming because didn't have the faith that I'm going to win it all anymore. Uh, I have some, I had some, a lot of bad luck. Um... Uh, and that's it. I think end of the day, we made it happen. Uh, we gathered a good team. We were able to beat the Cavs and Kyle, and they beat us the finals before. And uh, I think we had the best team that year. Um, that's it. Watson was a big deal, although take note that he didn't progress yet when we won it all. He was just a normal star. Uh, now he's like a megastar, but uh, we just had a good all-around team, and it was very surreal winning, winning it all. Uh, and now we're focused on the next championship. That's it. Yeah, I mean, go, going to going to six finals. I mean, that 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 says something on its own. You know, obviously Miami has been nothing but a very consistent. Uh, stable of the KVBL and very successful one. But, you know, going to one final after another and keep coming short, I'm sure the pressure was rising. Um, what do you yeah, think made sure. the difference in that last attempt? What was the difference in that team that made you guys be able to do it? Um, end of the day, just small moves, I think. Just small rotation moves. Uh, we had Luther Johnson off the bench. I think that made a big, big difference. I think he's a very underrated player. I think he's a still a, a very good player despite his age. Uh, he brought some amazing defense, and our defense just was in the next level. And uh, we had a, to be honest, it was you need luck to win as well, and we got good matchups. The Cavaliers that year were. Were a very good matchup for us, especially with the lineup they started in the finals. Uh, so I think that made a difference. I think uh, I learned from past mistakes of like depth, depth charts mistakes as well. Uh, I've made many in the past. Uh, I feel like a lot of mistakes prevented me to win it all more. I'll give you a big example was the three-year run. I lost to the Clippers three years in a row in the playoffs. Uh, I kept playing Mace at the same position. And I think once, if I changed his position, I might have been able to win. And me and the Clippers were basically the best teams in the league. So it was either one of us is going to win and the Clippers end up winning, I think, two championships in that run. Uh, and that's it, I think. That was the main difference, like small rotation moves. Uh, our guys progressed the way I wanted them to. Uh, 
AGS was big for us, despite shooting shooting not that good. Uh, and that's it. End of the day, our playoff MVP was Jahomers, and that says everything. Like we had a really an all-around team, so I can't like point out one move or one player and say that what brought us to success, you know. And that's what it takes. It's I mean, it's a team. It's not a one one man sport. Um, you know. Yeah. You said earlier that you know Watson wasn't a superstar yet, and you know that seemed like some years there was some growing pains with with Watson, and he wasn't progressing the way you know the, the franchise was hoping and looking for. But you guys stayed patient, and it seemed like it certainly has paid off now, as he's one of the superstars in this league. Uh, yeah, for sure, it makes me happy, but in the same time, it makes you a bit frustrated because if it, if he progressed from the start. And uh, when it, it could happen, because other players do progress from the start, uh, I could have won it all probably more. And you can say that now it's too late and my team is not good enough, but I'm still up there, I guess. Uh, so it's a bit frustrating, but it's also nice because he's the best player I ever had. So I'm having fun with him and hopefully he still is loyal to Miami and re-sign with us in UFA. Well, that is uh, that was going to be my next question. It's like Watson has become the son of Miami, and uh, by far, you guys have had in, in any given time. What is his future with this team? Um, where, where are we going with with Delaney Watson? So it's like that. Uh, I was open-minded trading him the last two seasons, but I wasn't going to do it unless I get great value. I know he's ex he was expiring this year, and he still is, can still be traded, but I don't think I will trade him this season. I already traded my first-round pick. Uh, and basically the plan is to win as much games as I could. Right now I have among, us, among the, team, the teams with cap space in the next offseason, I have the most wins. So that has to count for something. And uh, what I'm counting on is at least in the minimum signing, uh, re-signing Watson. Uh, if I can sign some good players next to him and we can contend again, then great. Watson likes to contend. If we just re-sign Watson and have like a bad team around him or not a good enough team, then he probably wants to trade and we trade him. But uh, I think trading him signed to a long contract would be a lot easier because I wasn't getting the offers I wanted him for him as an expiring. Like A lot of people said that they would have done, for example, the eighth pick for Watson. But end of the day, look, look what uh, Memphis X got for the eighth pick, Gilbert, or whatever. He just traded him. Like He didn't even like him enough to keep him. So I was supposed to trade Watson for him. Uh, I think I made the right choice, not taking the offers I had on the table. Uh, of course, it's a gamble, but end of the day, I like to gamble. Well, so far, so good. And, you know, he has repaid you guys. I know that, obviously, contract negotiations between you guys and, and Delaney have halted for now. And you guys are looking to hopefully rejoin them in the offseason. But as I said on one of my previous podcasts, his play has not halted at all. He is he is playing an MVP caliber 
level season and I mean he's he's looking poised to try to bring another championship to Miami uh yeah and that's the plan hopefully I do think my team is a bit underrated I think I have a playoff team like a good playoff team this year uh, our defenses should be pretty elite um my team is much more balanced now with uh Chigurth and uh and Garza off the bench and there's just I feel like I'm missing a one small piece that would make my team really click I feel like Ricky is holding that pace that pace is uh Kenyan Bell uh he's not like that great of a player I would love Edison as well but obviously Edison would be more costly and he wouldn't be traded right now but uh I have been trying to convince Ricky to trade me Bell with no success so far uh I feel like Bell instead of Garza would be like the perfect fit for us because we are lacking some free point free point shooting I think if we lose in the playoffs that would be the main reason Uh, but I do like my chances. I mean, obviously, I'm not the favorite. But uh, like I said, next year, if I do re-sign Watson and I do re-sign Milo and I maybe add another star, because there are many stars in UFA still, even if some re-sign, then maybe I could, could, could contend again. But if not, I'm fine with selling. I'm fine. I'm ready. I think this team is almost done. I hear you. I hear you. you know, I mean, it's we're getting down the stretch. It's uh, it's getting pretty tight. Obviously, it looks very much like not only are the Heat going to be in the playoffs, but they might end up in that four or five spot seeding wise. And, you know, as long as the Heat are in it, anything can happen. So you talked about, you know, looking for the final stretch for the piece. And you have one um, that you're wanting to move. We'll see what happens with that. Um, you have that reputation of being extremely deliberate um in your in your negotiations and some even call it stalling uh yeah. tell me your you know your reasoning to your method and why you go about things you do when it comes to trading okay so uh how would i explain it let me think uh well honestly i'm just looking to benefit my team at all all times uh I don't like to be hesitant with decisions especially when it's not a clear win and not everybody like some GMs will always look for a clear win but I don't so when I have when I do have a trade offer or I make a trade offer that is pretty fair and is not a clear win for either team and I have a bunch of those on on the table I take time to think i like to think i like to see the repercussions of the future i like to plan my cap space uh i would say that i do it much more in this version because the rules have changed the cap space is very problematic in my eyes like the window in competing is very short because of cap problems and you need to plan your cap well so every move you make you need to think about it twice I think the next GM would agree because he made a lot of moves of that benefited his team and made his team better, but without cap repercussions. And then he understood that he needed to make more moves that made his team worse. 
just to control his cap space. So, or to extend players or not extend players. So, keeping all of that is pretty hard. Um, I think uh, KJ did pretty much the same thing I did with like losing bird rights on your players because that's what's going to happen to him this year. And uh, it's a gamble. Um, and that makes you think about every move you make because you need to control your cap space, basically. I, I see it all as a cap space game now. Like, you have to control your cap while contending. Otherwise, your window will get shorter and shorter. And I think I've done a pretty good job because not a lot of teams are up there for a lot of years, you know? Some, a lot of teams go like one or two and boom and then go like like the Cavaliers, like blow it up, become the worst team in the league. So uh, I think I've done a pretty good job. I think Dreezy does a pretty good job at that as well, like keeping a good team for a lot of years. Sometimes some trades or, or trade offers are like very clear that you want to do. So some GMs will tell you that their experience with me are like, oh, you want to do this? You're interested in this? Boom, we make it. Uh, so sometimes it happens like that. But sometimes, yeah, trades make, make me think. I do take it maybe too seriously sometimes. And uh, yeah, maybe sometimes I overthink as well. And I regret not, not taking the trades. But sometimes I always am oh, uh, happy that I didn't take the trades offer for to me so you know everything well, can it happen it feels like you have to it feels like you have to go with your gut sometimes and yeah. you know, once again having having gone to the final six times it seems like your gut is telling you telling you some good things but you know as you mentioned there's a fine line between wanting to you know bring in as much talent as you can but you've got to keep the finances under control as you know several gm gms have found out the difficult way to how hard it is to put a competing team together without, you know, blowing your money out of the water. Um, I mean, the last time I remember, I think I saw you being a quote-unquote bad team and being in a lotto is the year you drafted uh, Delaney Watson. Yeah. And, you uh, know, since then, had, uh, it's, been, it's been... I had an amazing draft that year. I got lucky, I think. I had, like, maybe three lotto picks, three or four, and like two more mid-runders, and I got Watson and Bell and uh, Mason and JP uh, in the same draft, which was insane. And uh, I, do re- I do have a lot of regrets about the, that draft and that team in sp- specifically because I do think I have gave up way too much value in some trades. Uh, at one point, I had so many good players. It's just ridiculous. Uh, how they progressed. Obviously, they weren't progressed then, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that, you know, we'll see in in Miami when it comes to draft time is that they always seem to have a pretty good hand on, on what talent is, is coming into the league. I mean, you just mentioned some, but we have, you know, Watson, Bell, Haitian, Mason, J.P. Matthews, Mila Hughes, Boudreaux, Mayo Rahman. It's all players drafted by your hand and see what success they've had. Um, I mean, we have like, you know, five championships in between, in between those players, I think um, maybe four, but either way, 
you've done a great job with drafting. So tell me, what is it you look at? How does your process go about when it comes to drafting a player? Honestly, uh, in this version, it's a lot harder. It's a lot riskier, more gambling, I guess. But what I look for uh, in a top lotto t- depends on your spot, I guess. But I do believe that in today's drafts, uh, one or two, unless there's like a superstar like, like Watson or someone above the draft like Haynes in the last draft, uh, I think it's better to have like a seven or a six pick because... Six pick you get more value for, for your money. Like, obviously, it's a, lo- a, a lot of luck in draft, draft positioning. You can change your luck by trading. Uh, but I do believe that in some drafts, you're better off with a later lot of pick. And uh, uh, there's always players that drop, like J.P. Matthews. He was drafted, I think, it's like, 14 or 16 and he was like a B player uh, and he was you need to take little notices why players drop like JP Matthews dropped because it said that he has a bad foul rate okay so you have to take a calculated risk at 14 or 16 if you had a few picks before and you drafted players you, you think you like why not gamble on a, on a player that can like go boom but has a little problem like one or one big problem but he ended up like being great value uh and in top top draft picks i usually look for all around players i want i like players that play defense and play offense uh that's why i was disappointed a bit with players like yard and milo uh because they couldn't play offense, basically, and they weren't all-around players. Yeah, they both worked out great for me, and they progressed well, and they both became defensive beasts, which is fine. Sometimes you need defensive beasts, but what I felt that my team needed at, at that point, why I traded up for both of them, was an all-around big guy. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes you miss in that area, so it's very hard. But uh, usually I look for an all-around player, like I said. That's my big uh, point, I guess, at top picks. Well, all-around players is everybody's dream that can do it both. But if there's something a player absolutely must have, what is it for you to draft him? Well, it depends on my situation, but usually... I go for defense. Like, if it says that a player is a bad defender, I probably won't draft him. Like, I would probably skip. I'm not sure if I even had a draft pick when the Jazz drafted uh, Merlin War, but I would never draft a guy like that. Never. Obviously, after seeing, seeing how he plays, I would trade for him. I would have him on my team, but I would never draft a guy like that. I would never risk it. Like I prefer, uh, I prefer uh, missing out on offense. Like thinking the guy, the player, would be a bit more all around with offensive. Like missing out on that and him being just defensive, than 
having an all offense guy which could be not efficient like you're really risking it so the combination of no defense and not efficient is like the worst for me so that's a no no that that makes sense and you know we always say that defense wins championships so it's got to start with there um you know you you talked about earlier how you drafted all these good players and you you had a lot of guys around uh Watson and end up trading a bunch of those pieces if you at this point could hand pick four players to put around Watson from any team which four would you take ah oh, that's a good question well uh, i guess what to comp It depends. If I want to win, I'll probably just go with the best players like Zion, uh, probably AP, uh, Darwin Peters Jr. Uh, let's see. Who do I want to part? It's, well, it's shooting guard. Let me check. Okay. Yeah, so I'll probably go with uh, KB Bryant at shooting guard and Brunson at point guard. That sounds like a pretty good team to me. Yeah, be yeah fun just to a have. good good all-around team. But if I want Watson to blow up and really shine, then I'd probably go with with guys like uh, uh, Brunson, uh, Joseph Adam Cassidy, which is low volume, and... Uh, Like just good passers and Darwin Peters Jr. Like good passers, low volume. I feel like Watson would be really good, but he does need and another score. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so another thing that you're known for is, you know, you are pretty uh, social media active in the league, and you uh, post a lot of things. You show a lot of reactions, and you show a lot of emotions. Often having to do with other trades. We had a trade this weekend um, that was somewhat scrutinized with the Nets and Hornets, and you were very, very vocal. Tell me about that one. Uh, yeah, I feel like that trade had no merit. I, I know that we had way worse trades value-wise in the league. End of the day, Budrick's is expiring, and yeah, he's a star, but he's not a megastar. He's not Watson or Zion or something like that. Uh, yeah, maybe I was a bit exaggerating with uh, ruining the balance of the league. But uh, I do think it was maybe the worst trade I've ever seen because I've just seen no intent. Like, the Nets got a worse contract and no picks, no assets, no nothing. Like, I'm not sure what he would... Like, the only thing that comes to mind that he was drunk. He was he was probably drinking too much. I can't even explain it otherwise. Um, it was certainly a head scratcher to, to to say indeed. Um, so we talked about you being active on social media, and last year we found out that you um, you got married. Uh, so congratulations on that note. Now that you have you Thank know you. more more in your house daily life uh, do you feel like it has affected your you know time commitment and your efficiency when it comes to being the GM of the Heat well uh, maybe I do have a bit less less time but I do think at heart I'm still fully committed to the KVBL uh, the wife knows about it she's staring, staring at me talking right now 
she even asked if she could hear me talk. Uh, she's totally into it. And uh, she accepts it. And she knew from day one when we met that KVBL is in my life. And uh, yeah, she accepts it. And I accept her shit. So it's all good. It's important to have that support system, no, no matter what. Um, yeah. Last question for you. And you know, I like to ask these off the wall kind of questions. So let's go back to, to, to your wedding. If you had to pick one other GM to be your best man, who would that be? And number two, <laughs> if you thought any other GM would just come and crash your wedding, who would that be? <sighs> That's a funny question. Uh, so for my best man, it would probably be between Bubbles, uh, BJ and Kyle. I think those are the people I would get along with the most. Those are the big smokers in the group. I think I have a lot in common with those three. Uh, and about the second, if I had to pick one between BJ, Kyle and Bubbles, I don't know, maybe Bubbles, I guess. Uh, and the second question, uh, what was it again? It's like if any any GM would just come and crash your wedding uninvited, who would it be? Ah, uh, that's an easy one. That would probably be Aubrey. <laughs> it would probably wanna want some action on my wife as well. So that, that's fantastic. It's like, well, people, there you have it, Smath, the GM of the Heat. Uh, Smath, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show, and good luck rest of the way this season. Okay. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. See you soon. See you. Bye.